message. I literally, in my reading plan, I just finished the four synoptic gospels, mm-hmm. and that's what I took away from it. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to reread that. <laughs> yeah. Start over. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, should we, should, let's get into this. Why don't we get into it? Let me, let me write down the timestamp. It is 12.45. 12.45. You're welcome. 12 minutes and 45 yeah, seconds. How are what? How are you going to know what the timestamp is? I didn't. I just uh, repeated. <laughs> 12 right. minutes, 45 seconds, probably obviously a little bit more now. Well, right, so yeah, you're right now i got to rewrite it, actually. It's 13.45. <laughs> if we keep talking about it, you'll have to write it again. All right. Maybe I'll just wait until one of us says, Oh, welcome to the Bright Side Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the Bright Side Podcast. I'm, my name's Ben. I'm, my name's Stuart. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's chill. Uh, and this is the Bright Side Podcast. This is the Bright Side Podcast. Whether you're listening uh, to us through your headphones and your ear holes, or through your speakers. Also through your ear holes. Also through your ear holes. We're here. We're here, and we're here for you. And you are a lucky listener, because you're about to hear me for the third time in a week tell Stuart that I used to have a stutter. Because he just made fun of me stuttering in the intro. <laughs> I just want you to know that I used to have a legitimate stutter, and it was hilarious does, for, for other people. Does the fact that you had a stutter, uh, does that bother you? No. Okay. Um, it just seems like maybe it would if it was if this is the third time you're bringing it up. No, it's just that's how many times I've stuttered this week. Maybe I have a stutter still. Because I, I've stuttered so many times that I've had to remind people. You know what the good news is? Is that you have not stuttered on the word stutter. That which would be, is really impressive. That would be a paradox. Or the phrase stutter still, which mm. that alliteration could be hard for some people to say. Mm-hmm. Not for this guy, because I I know how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to talk good. <laughs> well, Ben, how's your, uh, your week been? How's it been going? You know, it's been great. I actually just found out. While you were making your coffee, uh-huh. that my sister just went into labor. Whoa. So I'm about to. She's birthing that baby. Yep. I'm about to have a nephew in anywhere from like 10 to 24 hours from now. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Labor is <laughs> wild. It's happening. <laughs> like you can't keep up that hype for that long. You just can't. It's still coming. Eight hours later. Yeah. It's, it's it's happening. You crowning yet? <laughs> no. Just but it's happening. Feeling the cramping sensation, you know? <laughs> um, so that's exciting. Yeah, that's really exciting. And uh, other than that, it's been a great week. Yeah. It's the last week of overtime for me before I go back to normal hours before my, my own child is born. Good old government contracting. Yeah, so that's good. That I is really good. hate overtime. <laughs> but you get paid for the overtime, right? You, get, you do get paid, yeah. So but that's a that's a plus. Is it worth it? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't for, get paid. For, for me, I don't I get don't... paid overtime. So oh, do you not? I don't know. Well, that blows. No, I don't think it's probably not worth it. Um, I I mean, I got the paycheck for the for the first pay period that I worked overtime, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, pretty disappointed. Given how miserable, <laughs> I, I like the level of misery in my life exponentially increased. Is it required overtime? No, no, no. Oh, okay, no. It was optional, but I was like, oh, well, the extra cash would be nice. Sure. Before he gets here and. So I figured, why not? Let's give it a shot. So I I committed to a month, mm-hmm. and I should not have done that. I should have done week to week. Yeah, because yeah. I would have been done first week. No, <laughs> no question about it. Well, now you know. Um, yeah, now I know. That's cool that you have that option though. Like if you, you know, whatever needed to generate a little bit more cash. Yeah, it's like they if there's extra workload, they yeah. just ask around. Sure. And if no one is willing to take it, then mm-hmm. like that's okay too. Right, which is actually really nice. Right, uh, that I can just say no and no questions asked. Right. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're not like that's fine. Uh, there's that's the fine, door. But you're fired. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And what else, dude? You something kind of big happened. It did. As you stare at me, confused. Something kind of big happened. starts with an L, ends with a C. Starts with an L, ends with a C. What? <laughs> I really thought you were gonna get it. What are you talking about? <laughs> you uh, you filed for your LLC. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. 
I did. Yeah. That was yesterday. Already yeah. Forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Filed for my LLC. So it should be formed. The estimation is May 11th. Nice. Okay. So May 11th, I'll uh, hopefully have my own company officially. Yeah. Be the owner of a company. And then I'll get my EIN from the IRS. Yep. For my LLC. It, your employee, employee or employment? Employer. Employer. Identification. identification number. <laughs> Neither. Yeah. Um, Close. Yeah, that's really exciting for Boniface Woodworks. Yeah. Is um, it Woodworks? Woodworking. So I filed for Boniface Woodworking. Okay. But then I had to do three other options in case it was taken. Okay. So I did like St. Boniface, mm-hmm. Boniface Wood, <laughs> which I think is funny. Uh, for a couple reasons, you know, not yeah. out of the gutters, folks. Because sure. it's like, oh, Boniface Wood, D- cut down a tree and turn it into a church, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty stoked about that, actually. That's cool. And I you could always do a DBA too if somebody's like got the LLC yeah. taken, you know. Yeah. And I'm pretty excited because Brian, mm-hmm. former guest on the Brightside podcast, that's what he's best known for. Yeah, for sure. Episode three, uh, that was his biggest moment probably to date ever that he'll ever have. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he and the church is actually hiring me to do a couple to do a couple projects. Hey, yeah, look so out! There's this freaking beautiful baptist pew mm-hmm. or a uh, pew pulpit that yeah, sort of when you said that i was picturing the pulpit i don't know why yeah dude i i should not have pictured the pulpit when you said pew but i, I did, say it so. i say pew every single time hmm. it doesn't it, whatever the truth coming out behind the pew it's the mandala effect uh yeah um anyway it's like back behind the uh the stage mm-hmm. and he wants me to build like a nice little platform that's like slanted like his pew is now so that he can use that one. And then also like his, his pulpit is pulpit. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> and then refinish it. Yeah. And make it look really nice. And then at some so wait, point you're going to take the old one and refinish it. Yes. And okay. build a nice little platform for his like iPad and Bible okay. And okay. Okay. I with you. some sweet joinery in the corners. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, they at some point he said that we're that they're gonna hire me for a uh, communion table. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, yeah, and that'll get some like good, I think, uh, good name recognition out for you. Yeah, we'll like, see your work on display. Right, and anybody else in the church who sees that and is like, ah. well, you know, like let's yeah, hire for a dining table or whatever. Yeah, yeah, almost done with my coffee table. Yeah. The annoying thing is that it is a side hustle, so I can only dedicate like yeah, and you can only take on so many week. projects. Too, yeah, right. Like yeah, and there's this, and there's like other stuff mm-hmm. for the church I got to do. So it's slow, but right. And your kids coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also about to have a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but no, that's that's really cool though. That at least you you've got like that. I think that's one of the marks of a successful business. One, obviously, you want to turn some sort of a profit. Yeah. Whether that's a break even or you make a dollar. Right. Like you don't want to be in the hole. Right. But two, just that you've got things going on. Like, yeah, you don't have to have like 50 projects at once. I know. I, yeah, I would prefer not to. Yeah. That would just get, that would be stressful. But, but at the same time, it would be cool to be booked out like a year. It would be cool. And people were just list. like, okay with it. Yeah. You know? Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind at all having yeah. a waiting list yeah. of people that had agreed. Right. But I, yeah, you got to be careful not to overcommit. Yeah. Because in uh, a big in a big goal of mine, if I just break even, mm-hmm. I actually am okay with it, especially for right now. Because part of the whole reason I'm doing this is so that I can give it to my kids. Sure. Yep. Or one of my kids right. who's <laughs> the most qualified. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The eldest. Th- th- your first child. Probably. A boy. Well, dude, that's a – have you read <clears throat> Man of the House by C.R. Wiley? I've not read it, but I've listened to so many talks by him on it. I need to read it. And it's really good. Yeah. He talks about how – Having an even distribution of inheritance is mm-hmm. one of the stupidest ideas for a dad because he gives the example of three kids. Two of them are solid. Mm-hmm. They're, like, very responsible. They're all that good stuff. But then one of them is, like, a right. deadbeat. Right. Giving an equal inheritance to the three is actually super unfair to the two. And you're pretty much guaranteeing that that third inheritance is going to get squandered and right. lost. So he's like, if it's truly your child has fallen away mm-hmm. and and you've 
done everything you can and you're just convinced there's no going back, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't necessarily feel guilty about Hmm. giving an unequal inheritance to your kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, it shouldn't be entered into lightly, but right. Anyway, that's just a rant. I don't, (laughs) I don't (laughs) expect that to be the case for me. Yeah. But you never know. Anyway, C.R. Wiley, man, that guy. Oh man. He gets it. He's very wise. He's very wise. How about your week? Yeah, it's been going good. Um, Got our bees, our honeybees yesterday, so that's super exciting. Um, super into bees, you know. And uh, Beehive State. We are the Beehive State. Right. Got some old Italians and some Carnelians. Uh, two different bee varieties <laughs> for you. you know about bees. Dude, yeah. Um, that's really cool. I want to know as much about bees as you eventually know about woodworking. Wow. Does it make sense? Yes. Um, there's a lot to know about both. And um, yes, we had that windstorm last night. I was telling you earlier, uh, I was like running out there with like some ratchet straps to like <laughs> make sure that the wind doesn't blow them over because we just got them in. And, a, you know, a package of bees is like 150 bucks. Yeah, it's expensive. I mean, it's not like crazy expensive, break the but, bank, but that would suck. You know, if they if they got blown over and right. my bees like all died or just flew away, you wouldn't walk outside with 150 bucks and just throw it into the air. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's exactly storm. what would happen. And be like, well, there you go. 80 mile an hour winds. Yeah. See ya. Um. So yeah, that was good. That does does bring me a lot of uh, a lot of joy. So yeah, week's going good. Baby's doing great. Morgan and I are just talking about her like more and more. Yeah. Uh, so she's been going to sleep at like around eh, six, seven o'clock at night. And then, you know, we've got like several hours to like hang out or read or do whatever. Yeah. Um, and then like an hour passes, maybe two. And we're just like, well, I miss Cleo. <laughs> maybe we should <laughs> just know? go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what even is this? And, uh, yeah. So she's been, she's been great. She turns 10 months, um, tomorrow. So. That's Dang, insane. That, that happens really so quick. Uh, wow. Yeah. She's like gabbing more, you know, just kind of chit-chatting. Oh, yeah, it's really she fun. is. She's um, social. She's a social she's baby. She's a social yeah. butterfly. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know, you and like, Morgan are both social. Yeah, I know, but like we, it's not like, I don't know. Like I would have thought if we would have, if Morgan was working and like we took her to a daycare or something and she was like constantly in interaction oh, right. with other people. Yeah. That, but it's great. Like, that's great that she's... I would much rather have a social baby that's okay with, like, being held and picked up by whoever than the kid that you look at and just start screaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we have a few of those in our church, so... And they're they're cute, in it, but in a different way. Right. It's like, oh, <laughs> I'll never be able to hold you. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll see you in, like, 15 years. Yeah. We we'll can see talk you. then. And you'll, you'll, you'll never know. Yeah. You know? No, that's a... Uh, yeah. That's funny. maybe it's just because she's so. I mean, from day one, she's just been held by literally everybody. Yeah, that's true. And I think that, that I don't know. That's common for pretty yeah. much all babies, though. Right. Whatever. I, I love don't know. Cleo. She's hilarious. She's great. Um. Yeah, man. Is Morgan reading that homemaking book? That mm-hmm. Some of the yeah. Yep. Allie was telling me about part of it that was saying that there's just no joy in a childless dinner table like hmm. and and i've noticed that i mean there is like Allie and i have dinner together every night <laughs> and, and it's <laughs> it's joyful yeah yeah but there's clearly something missing yeah and that's by design right, right? god created us to have kids yeah so obviously there's something missing and I think that I've decided, I don't know if I would say that there's no joy in a childless dinner table. Uh-huh. Like I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. But I definitely would stand by saying that a fruitful home mm-hmm. that is run well, mm-hmm. a childless dinner table cannot even come close to matching that joy. Right. Like never, the best couple who doesn't have kids yeah. can get yeah. nowhere close yep. to matching the joy yep. of even just like, a good home yeah. with kids. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be great. <laughs> In the words of the great Clint Hartman, no doubt. In the words, yes, dude. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Shit. No, that's that's so true. Like That's something that Morgan and I have talked quite a bit about since having her. Um, it's just like, man, like, I can't even, like, I can't, I don't, re- I don't remember what it was like before Cleo. Like, I do, 
but I just don't like, yeah, you know, we've got this wild baby that's just all over the place now, standing up, pulling down things, yeah, uh, <laughs> yelling, just you know, and I just don't know, like, I don't know, yeah, and it is a lot of self sacrifice, it is a lot of dying sure. unto thyself, right? Like, you're not going to be able to go do like your hobby stuff all the time or go do what you want to do selfishly when you've got this baby that you need to like literally hold yeah and uh there's like parts of my day especially like during the work day when i have to when i come up and like refill my coffee or get something to eat or something morgan will be like hey can you hold the baby for a second i'm like of course and then it'll be like an extended period of time that I was thinking like just a few moments and it turns into like five or 10 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay, I need to go get back to work, you know? Yeah. And it's like this momentary, um, not frustration, but like, I, yeah, I guess frustration. Cause I've got responsibilities on both sides of the aisle. Right. Sure. And, uh, yeah. But at the end of it, like when I've got to like give her back to Morgan, you know, it's I'm like, sucks. uh, I'd rather just, not, I'd rather just quit my job. Yeah, right, <laughs> and just hold the baby. So, I don't, they're great. They're great. They're they are life changing. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, it's. I mean, I you know my kid's not even here yet, but just uh-huh. people that I respect have made very clear that it is joyful, but it is dying to yourself. Right. But man, that is a lesson that humans only need more of. Yeah, the lesson of dying to yourself is something that we only need more of. So it's a it's the whole humble pie, not just yeah, a piece. Yeah, exactly. Your Kevin Love's kid was like shooting us last night. Yeah, a little something. Yeah, he was He's great. Yeah, he was killing people left and right, dude. Slaughtering. He walked straight up to Pastor Dan and shot him in the face. Boom, with his fingers <laughs> and those awesome gloves he had on. He's great. Yeah, he's he's hilarious. Little Sophie. Yeah. His daughter? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She is, like, the most princess little girl that I think I've ever met in real life. Super sweet. Yeah. Hands on hips always. Right. Always smiling, too. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. All right. And then little Ava. Can't can't forget about her. Yeah, can't forget Ava. She's adorable. She's a sweetheart. Do we have some news? 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 News. You have the... I've ridiculous got news. the ridiculous news. Let's get into this, man. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, it's time for the news, the breaking news. Read all about it. The ridiculous news. All right, so no surprise. It should come as no surprise to either of us or to any of our listeners. The ridiculous news comes from none other than not the B. Official sponsor of the Brightside Podcast. Hopefully someday. Um, titled... The CDC is mobilizing to address a new serious health threat. Yep, you guessed it. Racism. Is that real? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, yeah, the CDC declares racism a serious public health threat. All right. Um, Where is the quote from What's-Her-Face? All right, CDC Director Dr. Walensky, Walensky, made a statement last week saying that racism affects the health of our entire nation. All right. So, Walensky parroted the leftist talking point that racism is to blame for the increased number of Rona cases and deaths in minority communities, as opposed to a scientific discussion on obesity, diabetes, vitamin D deficiency, population density, cultural practices like multi-generational homes, and social indicators like fatherlessness and family stability. This was her literal, literal quote. The pandemic illuminated inequities. That's a fun word that have existed for generations and revealed for all of America a known but often unaddressed epidemic impacting public health. Racism. Wait, the pandemic was the thing that highlighted that? <laughs> yeah. What a stupid. All right. So she went say. on to say two more alarming things. One, what we know is this racism is a serious public health threat that directly affects the well being of millions of Americans. As a result, it affects the health of our entire nation. Two, over generations, these structural inequities have resulted in stark racial and ethnic health disparities that are severe, far-reaching, and unacceptable. As the nation's leading public health agency, CDC, has a critical role to play to address the impact of racism on public health. No, they don't. (laughs) And then he's got... (laughs) They have this gif 
of Karl Marx and it says Marxism intensifies. It's all <laughs> shaky. <laughs> <laughs> his eyes light up. His eyes light up. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Dude, what is the CDC doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's our job also to talk about racism. We, uh, the Centers for Disease. We dis- have to talk about racism? The Centers for Disease Control. The Center for. The ci- wow. The CDRC now, is that right? The Centers for Disease and Racist Control? Well, well, okay. Th- that means that they see racism as a disease, but not racism as scripture defines it, probably. Racism as they as the world defines it, which is if you disagree with the left, you're a racist, basically. I mean, right. that's essentially what they say. Yep. I would love to see an, a, a valid argument for for the contrary. It it doesn't exist. So, yes. So so talking anyone, about anyone that, <clears throat> for instance, is sympathetic to conservative ideals mm-hmm. is diseased. Like that's where it's going. Yeah, I think I think um, I think that's a part of it. I think the other part is that you can have conservative ideals but be rewired. Sure. To go through your re-education training, as long as that happens, you can be a conservative all day long. Well, but then, if if you do that though, if you follow their rules yep. for conservative rewiring, right, then it's not conservatism anymore. I want to make clear: I'm in. We're in no way defending any semblance of racism. What we're saying is that what the left says is racist is not necessarily actual racism. Sometimes it's the the workings out of capitalism that leads to to an overall incredibly prosperous society so um yeah absolutely we're not definitely not we're definitely not defending any any actual racism um so morgan and i uh morgan's mom got us this book fault lines by Bodie. um she like pre-ordered it so we were like the first batch or whatever to get sent it and it was it's it's good. Is it um, good? Yeah, it's I've good. I've heard pretty good things. So, Vody obviously is a black man, and right? Yeah. Born in America. Um, I think he was born in, like, southern L.A., so, like, not a great place back yeah. in the day. You know, lots Has of gangs, drugs. Yeah. Um, and look at him now, basically, right? Um, came from a broken family. Dude, he's, he's hardcore. He's, <laughs> he's like... <laughs> So his whole thing uh, so far in this book, he talks about, of course, critical race theory and intersectionality. Um, Why am I talking about that? Well, we're talking about how the CDC thinks that racism is a health epidemic, right? Yeah. Um, So Vody, one of the things that he really highlights with the issues with critical race theory and intersectionality is that it really takes away um, from our source of truth. Mm -hmm. So Ben, like you were saying earlier, a lot of these things that are being talked about today are not necessarily actually racist as the Bible would define them as racist right. or not actually unequal, right? Right. As they're the not, Bible would define them. They're not unproblematic. Just like the Bible does not define justice as looting. Right. Exactly. That what, what we're not saying is that these things, is that problems don't exist. That's not what we're saying. We're not just trying to ignore problems right. and say, well, that's not really real. What we're saying is that it's a total misnomer to call everything racism. Right. It actually it doesn't accomplish anything to do and that. And so what of our what what is our source of truth? Has to be scripture. Has to be scripture. If we're Christians, it has to be scripture. Yeah. If it's not, then you're then your source of truth is yeah, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Like <laughs> uh this is what you get. So anyways, it's really it's a fat fascinating book, by the way. Anybody considering getting it, like on the fence, get it because yeah. it's pretty eye opening. Uh, really applicable to today too, and he happened to like during the time he was writing it. I think it was. We both just kind of burped at the same oh, time. Wow. That was weird. Jinx. Um, does that mean we're going to get like hiccups now? <laughs> um, but no, I don't. He didn't like. I don't think he intentionally wrote it for like all the stuff that happened last year. But yeah, when it came out, it just so happened to be like. When it did, yeah, it coincided with all, <laughs> which all is of wild. It. Yeah, um, I mean, he did intentionally do that because racial tensions, of course, are building up. But anyways, right. BLM and all this stuff. And he talks about it's crazy to read a book, by the way, already that talks about um, uh, Breonna Taylor 
and yeah. George Floyd. Like I was like, what? What? What was he like saying about about their cases? He didn't specifically say like, yeah, George Floyd's death was a. Oh, he just like referenced right. Like oh, this okay, is what's I happening see, in the culture. Um, but anyways, back to the point. Yeah, uh, you know, our 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 source of truth has to be the Bible. It yeah. has to be because yeah. as humans, we're gonna twist it. Um, we're, we're gonna whatever we feed our minds with and our heart with is what we're going to expel back out. Right. So be in the word daily. That's a, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Great tip there. Be in constant prayer um, and surround yourself with, with real brothers and sisters uh, in the faith. But anyways, um, yeah. So we get stuff like this where the CDC says that racism is a, is something of their concern, a public health issue. Yeah. That's, so try to wrap your mind around that. And if you think, well, that doesn't make any sense, it's because it doesn't. It's because you're right. It doesn't make any sense. The, it it also is, I don't know, maybe the CDC is like, at some point we're going to be outed as total morons for how we treated COVID-19. And maybe they're trying to get ahead of the curve and uh, show people that they're still really relevant and can virtue signal in all the best ways. I don't know. I, I, I really do think that in not that long, the WHO and the CDC's response to COVID-19 will actually be seriously critiqued mm-hmm. by, by like the majority of people instead of just a small number of people because it wasn't, it was such pseudoscience. It was garbage science. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they were wrong about literally almost everything except the symptoms. Right. But the, how deadly it's going to be, the effect, the efficaciousness of masks and lockdowns and stuff, that's all being blown out of the water right now. Mm -hmm. Like even Fauci said, I don't understand why Texas isn't having a COVID outbreak. Maybe it's because they do things outside now. (laughs) Like what a stupid thing to say. Yeah. But going back to the point I was making initially, I want to make sure I, I communicate that clearly and I don't say something that, that get that can get misconstrued. What I mean is if they are, I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt because of who, because of how they've behaved for the past like three years. If they are going about this whole racism thing as the world at large does, and clearly they are because otherwise the CDC wouldn't be saying something right. like this. That's so ridiculous. It means that if conservatives bend the knee to their definition of racism, we're talking about definitions here, mm-hmm. um, then you lose conservatism. Right. That it's just, it really is that simple. I mean, that's been the last five years of redefining terms. Right. This is a battle over redefining terms. We agree that racism is a heinous sin. It deserves God's judgment and wrath. Yep. And the Bible says that. Yep. But what we don't agree with is that if someone voted for Donald Trump, they're a white supremacist. Right. And that is the end of the logic of what the world defines racism as. So I wanted to read a couple things that Vody says. Uh one, because the man's done research on this. Two, he's directly involved as a black man who grew up in a major city, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back in the day. Um, all right, so this is what Vody says. CRT, critical race theory, which is kind of what this whole thing revolves around, intersectionality, critical race theory, really as a history lesson, a brief factoid, if you will. Um, these kinds of things started being talked about, I believe it was like back in the 80s late 80s which i thought was pretty i thought it was wild yeah i know i would have never expected that i didn't hear any <laughs> i didn't hear about any of this like in school i was a public school kid you know um and they're definitely teaching about it now yeah yeah i think it started being talked about back then like late 80s uh by scholars by folks in the who, law who was the guy that whatever yeah anyways whatever. so this is what Vody says it's a religious movement um which definitely it is. Yeah. It has all the trappings of a religion. It has its own cosmology, it has its own saints, its own liturgy, its own law, and all of those elements. Or it has all of those elements, and a lot of those things are very subtle, which makes people rather attractive to religious people. 
which makes CRT attractive to religious people, which yeah. we've seen both of us, you and I, uh, some of our yeah. acquaintances back home who we really thought were Christians, and maybe they are. I'm not saying they're not yeah, Christians. They very, yeah, they very much could um, be. It just, but man, maybe they're being deceived a little bit by this. So Vody warned that the philosophy might sound appealing to Christians who are bent on social justice, but its tenets are not grounded in Scripture. I also warned against the temptation of taking some of its elements while disregarding others. He said, we don't need critical race theory to teach us on race, on partiality, or on the sin of partiality. Mm. Um, yeah, we already have a book for that. Exactly. That, that's exactly what he said. He literally said there's a whole lot of things that the Bible is not, but when it comes to relationships between people, when it comes to sins based on partiality, the Bible is absolutely a textbook on that. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um so this is the last couple of things I'll read. In critical race theory, he said, in critical race theory, if you want to know the truth when it comes to race and racism, you have to elevate black voices. You have to listen to the voice of the marginalized. And this is what people are talking about in church today, right? With critical race theory, we do this because the way you that's the way you know truth, not through knowing God, mm. not through knowing God's word, but through listening to the voices and experiences of the people who we determine to be marginalized. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody was marginalized while growing up, it was Vody. Right. By today's standard. Yeah. He has a perspective that I can't even imagine. Exactly. And so, I don't know, that's why it's pretty fascinating, his book, when I'm, as, a, as a white kid who grew up in the country, who, right, you know, was raised in a middle-class family, never really wanted for anything. Yeah. Fascinating to read. And the, and the, be- and the beauty of what Vody's saying is that we can't fall into the trap of taking that critical idea or, or more of an intersectional idea to Vody's book. Right. And just spinning it as Christian and saying, well, look, he's a black man. Yeah, that's true. And he's Christian. So right. he's got to be right. Right. Because he's a black man. Right. No, he wouldn't want that. No, he wouldn't. He wants those ideas that he just said tested mm-hmm. against scripture. Yep. Just like anything that I say yep. needs to be tested against scripture. Yep. You know, um, so we have to be careful with that too, that we don't. Right latch on yeah. to just because a black Christian said it right. and they're conservative yep. means that, oh, well, that's fact. Right. Like they they actually are saying, no, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. It all has to be tested against scripture. And surprise, unsurprisingly, you know, the left, the woke left mob has already came out against him saying, well, he's just this oh, yeah, black yeah, guy yeah. who's not really black. Right, right. You know, he's right. not black enough. We'll take Eminem. You can have Vody. Yep. <laughs> um. <laughs> But that, good stuff, you know? And that reminds me, the, all of this really reminds me of, have you seen the Man Rampant episode with Joe Rigney when him and Doug talk about the sin of empathy? Yes, that was the first episode, I believe. Yeah, it was yep. season one, episode yep. one. Very inflammatory yep. title. Yep. Um, I watched that and I, and I, really, I thought it was really insightful. Mm-hmm. And I saw something the other day. It was someone that I know had this... Um, you know, they posted something and it said, if you have never experienced trauma or hardship or, you know, whatever, any, any bad thing, yeah. purely because of your skin color, then it's my opinion that you don't have a place to say how someone should react to it. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. I, okay. I really, I genuinely understand why someone would think that. Yeah. But that's not a biblical idea. Right. Because that means that you can you can go loot a Nike outlet because something bad did happen, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's okay for you to go steal something. Right, like that that idea doesn't hold up, and that is the sin of empathy. Adhering to that idea, yep, is the sin of empathy. You have to sympathize, but still have the wherewithal and the relationship credit. Mm-hmm. You know that level of love mm-hmm. and bond to still speak truth into someone's life mm-hmm. when they are uh, relationship credit. What do you flesh that out a little bit? Yeah. What I mean is like, I didn't reply to what that guy said mm-hmm. because I don't have that relationship mm-hmm. credit. He's also Korean. And, and, and I'm like, dude, the thing is I do have compassion for that view. Mm-hmm. I used to hold to it as well. Yeah. I disagree with it now, yeah. but we don't really know each other like that. Right. We're far away. We live far away from each yep. other. Proximity increases with responsibility. I don't break bread with you. Right. We don't talk hardly. Right. Like we really haven't talked in years. Yep. 
And so I'm not going to say the first thing that I say to him in five years isn't going to be, well, this is the sin of empathy. <laughs> this is wicked. Right. You, it, that's not what I'm going to say. But if you, mm-hmm. someone that I see on a regular sure. basis, yep. were to say something like that, yep. I would pull you aside and be and say, hey, brother, I think that you should rethink this yes. for these reasons from Scripture. Yep. Um, that that negates your ability mm-hmm. to help someone mm-hmm. by sharing God's truth with them yeah. and saying, actually, you're not going to find liberation from trauma. You're not going to find joy. You're mm-hmm. not going to find justice mm-hmm. in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. What you need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What you need is to love your enemy. Yep. And you, you're not a doormat. You don't bend over, mm-hmm. but you do love your enemy. Mm-hmm. And that means sharing the gospel with them, turning the other cheek when it's a personal attack. Do you remember uh, what Joe, how he defined uh, the differences between empathy and sympathy? Because I think a lot of times, and Doug even said that he gets this mixed up. I still get it mixed I still up occasionally mixed up, yeah. when I'm talking because I don't necessarily mean really what empathy means when I say it. Right. Isn't, didn't he say, do you remember? Yeah. Okay. I want to try and remember because I think I got it. <laughs> didn't he say that <clears throat> sympathy was that uh, like mourning with those who mourn? rejoicing with those who rejoice all the while maintaining your separation from the, the scenario enough to like speak truth into it. Whereas empathy is if someone is depressed, you are literally depressed with them. Right. And you have to be. And if you're not, there's something wrong. Right. Right. That's how I remember. If you're not doing that, then you're a turd basically. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's, I don't know if those are his, you know, verbatim words, but I think that was his, (laughs) more technical definition, the one that really helped me grasp it and burned it into my mind <laughs> because I'm, I'm just a simple man. Um, he talked about a river. Okay. And he talked about somebody... That rings a bell. So you got the empathetic person, right? The, emp- the empathy scenario. Somebody's drowning in a river and mm. you're standing there on the riverbank. You've got to make a decision. What are you going to do? Well, I need to save this person. I don't want to let him drown. So, gosh, the right thing to do would be to jump in there with him and try to get him out, and, and but also be in the struggle of this rushing water in the river with yeah. him. And then you both end up drowning. Right. So Sympathy not only did you not like help the other guy, but you jumped in and you drowned yourself. Right. And then you left all your other responsibilities behind. Yeah. You've got a wife. You're, you have a baby that's about to be born. Yeah. You're going to take care of this baby boy. Yeah. Sympathy, on the other hand, same scenario. You're standing on the bank of the river. Somebody's drowning. There's a tree limb. Uh, so you decide, well, that would be dumb of me to jump in the water and drown also. But I bet if I grab onto that tree limb and reach over and take this here rope that I have and throw it out to him, I could pull him out of the water. Yeah. If he's willing to grab the rope, if he wants to help too, yeah. there's, there's got to be some, some kind of action taken on his part. Which means there's humility on both sides. Yeah. There's the humility of the rescuer saying, it, I, I can't save someone. Mm-hmm. by myself mm-hmm. like it, it they have to either a want to be saved or in this scenario like the holy spirit has to work in someone's life right if it's sharing the gospel with someone and right the holy spirit has to work in their life i can't save someone yep there's also humility for the one that's struggling mm-hmm. where they have to say i don't i don't know what to do with this mm-hmm. and uh like in my own life i haven't been a good um rescuee <laughs> like mm-hmm. I haven't been mm-hmm. a good one who needs rescuing right I always kick against the current right and struggle with well I know what to do right like here's an example because I'm being too abstract when my parents got divorced what I found really was helpful mm-hmm. was because it was like two years of pretty much crying every day yeah you know I was young and what I found was really helpful was being distracted in in a healthy way like with friends mm-hmm. or with my mom like going out and seeing a movie or yeah and doing something. And I remember after one really rough night, I told my mom, like, when this happens, can you offer to go somewhere with me? Mm-hmm. Even if we just go walk around. Yeah. Like, I just need to get out of the house. I need to go fill my mind with other things. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, sure. But you you usually don't want to do that when you're already right. sad. Right. You know? And that is... Sympathy, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, and yep. I was a bad, re- I didn't have the humility to say, yeah, you're right. So can you just like tell me that we're going somewhere? 
Right. I still wanted that level of control Mm -hmm. to say, no, I want to be able to say no. Yeah. When really my mom knew what was best for me. Right. And that was that I should not say no. Right. But anyway. And also your mom or really any, the sympathetic man or woman, um, also avoids a swath of other sins by being sympathetic as opposed to empathetic. Yeah, that's so true. What did your mom burn into your mind at that moment, right? She was an example. Yeah. To her son who was hurting through this really unfortunate situation. Yeah. To maintain. Yep. To maintain her ground. And the truth. Yeah. Because she knew. And to not abandon her responsibilities. So right. She had a responsibility to uphold truth, and she did. Yeah. And it For the guy been. who doesn't jump in the river, he's got a responsibility to his family. Right. And, and everything to, else. And to that person. Also to that person. To say, exactly. like, the answer to this is not to kill two people. Yep. The answer to this is to do everything that I can to save one. Right. While not committing suicide myself. Yep. Yeah, it would have been a even, disservice. Even if me. it means the ends, the end to all this, this, this situation looks like, the, the guy who's in the river, even if it looks like him drowning in the end. Right, which is tragic. But it happens. Right. And It and, will happen. It is tragic. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's the tragic. answer to that is not that everyone should drown. Yep. You know, that, and that's the problem. Like it, Full circle. <laughs> that's the problem with racism as it's defined today. It's the problem with intersectionality. It's the problem with critical race theory. Yeah. It is not everyone needs to. The answer is not that everyone drowns. Yep. The answer is there has to be some truth. Yep. Some objective truth. And it's not the, the, the owners of some objective truth mm-hmm. is not people with a certain skin color. Right. It's not white people. It's not black people. It's not whatever color. Yep. It is outside and it transcends. It mm-hmm. has to transcend humanity. Yeah. That's what they get wrong is they, and that's what you get with a, with a, with a materialist worldview. Yep. Of course it, ha- it can't transcend yeah. humanity because we're all that there is. Yep. It's, it should, it's not shocking. It shouldn't be shocking to the Christian. No, it shouldn't be. I think it is a little bit of a shock to me still, though, like just the amount of change that's happened within our culture this past year, certainly the yeah. past like five or so years. Um, the 2020s. The 2020s have it's, been. It, I think it's going to be a. Rocky so far. <laughs> it's going to be a, <laughs> a say, decade that defines like the century, I right. think. Um, I think it's going to be a make or break kind of decade for. Yeah. That'll have ramifications for at least 100 years. Oh, at least because at this at this rate, <laughs> it will. We're only two years in. Yeah, <laughs> a completely unrelated subject. Just talking about this, uh, I was listening to Eric Kahn's Hard Men podcast. Yes, he had Rory Groves on there the other day. Um, Haven't listened to that episode. Oh yet. man, it is. That's I the durable trades it. guy, right? It's the durable trades guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Rory was talking about um, how long it had taken America to amass one trillion dollars of debt. It took us something like 200 years or some, like almost. Oh, wow. Or maybe 150, a long time for $1 trillion. And we're <laughs> last year, do you know how much we added to our deficit? What, like $5 trillion? Yeah, $6 trillion Yeah, God. In a year. Mm. So the whole make or break, you know, yeah. conversation with the 2020s, we'll see. It's but it will be... certainly have ramifications for, yeah. I mean, a long long time well just purely in the on the financial side of things me and you were talking the other day just texting yep. uh because they they did the uh the new the, the next stimulus check oh yeah and yep. uh-huh. they're tossing around these ideas yep. of universal income right and uh the increase of the minimum wage yep and dude that's it the that's increase not gonna in do anything good the child tax credit yeah well yeah and you'll be able to get that you know early in the form of right. $300 payments. Here's what I don't understand. <laughs> Here's what I don't understand. The problem isn't that the minimum wage is too low. The problem is that the minimum wage exists. Well, now it's the problem is that it exists and it's too high. Well, yeah. Especially but, if you're a mom and pop but store. But the base problem is that it exists. Right. I agree it, with it that. It shouldn't exist. Yep. Okay. That actually is a huge disservice to employees. Right. That the government said... Here's a minimum wage. Mm-hmm. The answer is not to go to the government and ask them to fix the problem that they caused. Right. The answer is to remove their authority to do that. Mm-hmm. Why do people, I don't understand why <laughs> people are so quick to let the government fix the problems that they caused. Yeah, but Ben, if there's no minimum wage, then I could only get paid a dollar a day. 
or you could get paid twenty dollars an hour because you're a good employee. Or you could just like, yeah, if that was a situation, somebody's only going to pay you a buck an hour. Guess what? It probably means either a they're a bad employer, or you suck, or you suck, or yeah. And if they're a bad employer, what do you do? Go get another job. Go walk out the door. If you know your value. Oh man, know your value. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Is a min the a minimum wage is one of two things. It's either. Um, it's either a ball and chain around employers who mm-hmm. are good employers or it's abdication of responsibility for bad employees Yep, because it allows them to be crappy workers and still get the same as, as the other guy who's grinding, who's freaking killing it, yep. but he doesn't make any more money right. because there's a minimum wage requirement. Right. That like, and the government does not know how to, the government can't comprehend that yep. level of nuance. <clears throat> Not a, not a right government and not a left government. No, apparently not, because <laughs> even though they up the, the minimum wage, what is it going to be, like 15 bucks an hour? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to destroy bucks businesses. An hour. So we're talking that's the same $15 is going to go, it, 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 it's going to go just as far anywhere, right, yeah. in America? Or will it? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, we're here in Salt Lake where it's substantially more expensive to live than, than Missouri. say, somewhere in Missouri yeah. or Georgia or Iowa or anywhere in the Midwest. 15 bucks an hour? Yeah. What about for the $15 an hour job that, uh, well, the minimum wage job down in southeastern Missouri in the middle of nowhere at the gas station? I mean, what, what are those people going to do now? Yeah. I love, I love how these double minimum wage. wage laws don't apply to like people in the military, too. You know, they get, what, like $3 an hour or something like that? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. But no one's interested in, in that. Right. Now, you know, I'm not saying that I want them to make a ton of money, but yeah, that is just, it shows a... a inconsistency well there's there's so many inconsistencies yeah. but anyways that's just um, an easy one <laughs> right okay yeah so that was fun uh um, that was fun we're gonna have to be quick in this next segment. so ben i think you've got some good news for us oh my gosh i forgot that we have to do the good news oh no did you have a no I, I mean i do i just we <laughs> oh. it's already been oh so long. i got you all right okay. all right this is this is quick and it's great short and sweet is it about john cena Unfortunately not. Yeah. Maybe I can work it in. That's all right. I could work in um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. All right. I'm, I'm good with that. The headline is, I love it. They, it, <laughs> they meet up in motels across America, <laughs> dot, 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 to trade old beer cans. <laughs> this is a group of people who collect vintage uh, beer cans, like antique beer cans. I'm talking the first PBR can ever made. Okay. Literally, that's the one on the thumbnail. And they meet together once a year in random motels. I love how it specifies. It's never hotels. It's motels, which is sketchy. And they lay out like all their beer cans all over their different rooms. Mm -hmm. And they just go around and trade beer cans or buy beer cans. It's like Pokemon, but (laughs) for Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. But for adults. But for drunk men. Well, yeah, for, no, for, for old <laughs> drunkards. <laughs> no, it's uh come on. How hilarious is that? That's So is there like a region of the United States that they that is, well, first of all, is this in the United States? Yes, okay. it is in the United is States. Is there like a certain region that's like confined to typically or is this just anywhere? I don't it, think so. It's the Brewery Collectibles Club of America. It's a national all right. club. Uh-huh. As far as I know, uh, oh, it consists of 100 chapters with members in all 50 states, and it's international. 27 other countries are involved. Dang, in okay. Probably European because it's beer. Right. Um, anyway, they connect online. They organize the event. Uh, this last one was in Pennsylvania. Park Inn by the Radisson. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, dude, they basically just get together and play Yu-Gi-Oh!, but for retired with, with drunk beer people. cans, dude, that's that's amazing, isn't that? Wouldn't you love to go to one of those? I, I bet, I bet be, you'd see some really interesting beer cans. Actually, I bet you would. It'd be. I think it'd be actually kind of cool. I'd really like for the uh, like the European ones. Yeah, or it really international because right. those would be so different. This is great. The diversity. Um, the guy's name is Minky. Minky? It's his last name. Oh, okay. okay. The diversity Minky mentions refers to professions and political views. In a time when America is increasingly divided, a shared interest in collecting draws together Republicans and Democrats and people from all walks of life. 
Those I met include a plumber, an ex-army drill sergeant, an engineer, a subway track mechanic, a pawn shop manager, a retired army colonel, an eco-entrepreneur, and a banker, all together sharing and trading beer cans with each other. <laughs> that's a great thing. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's it. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin because he loves beer. <laughs> all right. That's I'll it. accept it. <clears throat> Dude, that's that's really... Uh, that's a... All right. Thanks. That's fun. That's you know, a feel-good thing. Yeah. That's a great... Yeah. I think that's a very feel-good news story. <clears throat> I was just ask. thinking, like, what would I do with these beer cans? And I... I Three is the conclusion I came to, or this is the number I came to. If I could get like three, and then just put them up on like on a shelf, you know? yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's uh, like if we ever went to one, yeah, one yeah, of yeah, these, yeah, yeah I get three. Yeah, I think that's a good number. Yeah. Or if I, and then when you looked up at them, you'd be like, man, those are cool, but also, this is just a great thing. Yeah, yeah, a great memory. Yeah, yeah. I it would went be. to the. BCCAs <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, my boss went to Belgium for a beer oh, cool. tour. Uh -huh. Like a two week beer tour. It was like Oktoberfest? By himself. Oh man, this guy's committed. Sad. He was he wasn't supposed to be by himself, but <laughs> it ended up being by himself. Um good caveat. If I ever did that, I would dude, I would collect so many like bottles and cans. Really? Yeah. What's, because, what's so many? Well, okay, I mean Probably if you probably were like one of these five. guys. No, no, no. I'm saying just me. Oh, if you just like went and did it. If like I one went time. to, like I've only been to Italy and Europe. I haven't really been to. Yeah. I haven't really been to a lot of places. Well, good for you. I've never been to Europe. So. Well, what I'm saying is <laughs> no. this is a great idea for uh, to collect something if you travel. Yeah, you know, okay. Some people do like, oh, I'll get a, like a shot glass. Right. Or something. Yeah. Uh -huh. Or a thimble. You know, <laughs> but what if you did beer cans? That'd be great. That would be cool. Cause it yeah. would mean that you have to find a local beer. Right. And yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it would be. Anyway. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Should we talk about some awesome stuff? Oh shoot. We've week? even got to do that. Yeah, dude, we've got a lot to do. Oh my God. It's going to have to be quick, dude. It's going to have to be quick. Way to All go. Right. Critical race theory and intersectionality and we racism. Just, it's so easy to, to harp on you. It's really easy. All right. We'll be right back after this quick break. Breaky, breaky. Got a dying tree on your property that's too big for you? Need some landscaping done around your home or business to give it a mega pristine look? Need to chop down some pagan idolater's god tree to build them a church with the wood? Sounds like you need the Arbor Man. His name is Clint Hartman. But we call him the Arbor Man, and he can do all of that for you and more. Visit Clint's website at www.arborman.com. That's www.arborman.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Bright Side Podcast. Uh, Stuart. Yep. What made you happy this week? What made your eyebrows quiver? What made your mustache twitch? What made your kneecaps shake? I'm waiting. Oh, are you talking? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Those, those are all really great and weird questions. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say my beehives. Yes. So I know I've talked about beeswax specifically. He's got the stutter now, sucker. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Uh, yeah, just preparing the beehives for my bees. That was a really good, uh, time. It was pretty, um, yeah, it was good. It yeah. was good. That's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was really insightful. You know what? Mine's really simple too. So hold on. Okay. okay. Before you get into <laughs> well, it. You stop. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> but for the beehives, right? Like there's a surprising amount of like maintenance that has to go on with these, especially after they've been used for a couple seasons. Uh, for your boxes, your honey supers, your brood boxes, all yeah. you people listening who all don't jargon. know, I know totally with all that. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Basically, it's the boxes that you see that the bees are yeah. in the hives. Um, you have to like clean off like the wax. They've got this stuff called propolis, which is like glue that they just glue everything up. Ugh, freaking propolis. Uh, and that's really sticky, nasty stuff. And then like you can't do it 
it was a little bit, it, it got a little bit cold here, right? So mm. I couldn't do it inside in the kitchen because I would have made a big mess. Mm. And so I did it outside under our carport. Still made a mess <laughs> uh, because this stuff is sticky and it just like falls on the concrete. So when you walk over it, it you're like, what is this? Do I, did I like step in gum? gum? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you just got bee stuff all over you. But yeah, um, it was good because uh, there was a lot of anticipation, right? Like waiting for my bees to get here to get to the bee store yeah, to go pick them up. And they came last night and, they, you know, things were all ready. So literally just dumped them in and it was good to go. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. That's freaking awesome. So, Ben. Yes. What got your goose this week? What got you going? What revved your goose. motor, revved your engine? What mm. made you wake up and, and smell the sweet roses of life, as mm. I like to say? What made you go... Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> what uh, brought you some joy? All right. Doorknobs. Doorknobs. Yeah. There's a slight story, but it's quick. Mm. Allie and I wanted. To, well, Allie really needed to go for a walk the other night, and it was after work, and so we went for a walk together. I locked the door, of course. You know, responsible homeowner. Responsible man of the house. Got back. And realized that I'd forgotten a key. Ooh. Now, this has happened before. But every time it's happened before, it's okay. Because there's another door around the back of the house that I often forget to lock. Mm-hmm. And that one's been unlocked every time. Not this time. <laughs> really responsible. Yeah, yeah. Really responsible homeowner. Not this time, though. Mm-hmm. Everything was locked. Mm. I, well, Allie and I both, uh, we worked for about an hour and a half. Uh, trying to unlock the door with a credit card. Because I only did the knob. I didn't do the deadbolt. Okay. And this was the only door we had ever encountered that could not be opened like that with a credit card. Luckily, the car door was unlocked. So that's responsible. Um, So I was able to open the garage. And after, I think at this point, it had been about two hours. Um, uh, And it was was dark. It was really cold. We were hungry. It was like 9 o'clock. When was it? Did you say this was? This was like two days ago. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. I think it was Monday night. Yeah. And... Finally, I was like, screw it, dude. I'm yeah. done. Got a pipe wrench, hunkered it down on my doorknob in the back door, and just cranked that thing until it sheared and <laughs> busted the door down. And then uh, used some scrap cherry wood under the door to lock it from the inside. Uh-huh. And that's it. <laughs> oh, the dude. reason that I'm grateful for doorknobs is... is I was like, "Wow, this is a really resilient doorknob." I tried, pi- I tried like picking the lock, right? Which I mean, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So, <laughs> <You're dead. laughs> I don't really know how resilient it is, but as far as credit cards go, yeah, it's, it it's got some up. beef. And I was like, "Wow, what a great doorknob!" So wait, you this was your back door? Mm-hmm. Did you like bust anything on the door itself, or just no, the no, no? It was just the knob, which is oh, great. Okay. So it'll be easy to replace. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm grateful for that doorknob because it's way stronger than I thought it was. Right, and that's it. Dude, I thought you had a sliding back door. I do, but we put a plank of wood uh-huh. in in it so that you can't open it. Like a plank of wood between the door and the wall, right? In the yeah. little track thing. Yeah. And so you, I mean, there's no way you can get in there. It's like actually way it, without breaking a window. You say you put that in there after you broke the doorknob. What? No, it was already there. We had locked that the back door that way. But it's a sliding door. Oh, 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 oh! There's an. I have another back door on my house. Uh, Other than the sliding back, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Is it the one? Is it the basement one? Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. I was like, what? <laughs> like it's not the not sliding door. door now. Not the sliding door. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that was confusing. I mean, probably not for anybody listening to the story, but for somebody having been to your house. I'm well, like, now it's probably really confusing for them. Yeah, sorry, guys. The thing is, guys, I have two back doors. <laughs> one with the doorknob. Yes. Which was one broken. without. Because it's a slider. <laughs> All right. Should two we uh, go into a final word? Let's go into a final word. All right. You have it today, right? I've got it. Sweet. Today's word, guys, comes from First John 4, um, verses 1 through 6. Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Batten down the hatches. (laughs) 
John's about to spit some fire. He's, he always spits fire. Uh, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he is... For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Amen. Well, guys, that uh, concludes uh, today's episode. Appreciate you listening in. Um, Don't forget to remember to go forth. to remember. Don't forget to remember. (laughs) Oh, boy. Really, though, crush serpents with a smile this week. Yeah, there you go. Make it a great week. Live to the glory of God. Enjoy your family.